Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. It is wonderful to be back with you. I missed you guys. And I know that sometimes when, I don't know, when I'm gone for a week, it feels like I'm, I'm gone for a lot longer than that. Um, when I come back to, to sit down at the piano, it feels like, man, I haven't played the piano for a year. When I, when I get ready to, to prepare for a sermon, it's like, man, I haven't done this in forever. And it's really only been a week, but it just feels like it's been so long. And, and it's, it's good that, that there's this feeling of coming back that, you know, I think there's some value in that. But it also demonstrates just how, how easy it is to step away, just how easy it is to, to kind of go back to, to a different life, go back to something that might be easier. And it, it was just kind of a, a good little mini lesson for me. This morning we are continuing our trek through the book of Ephesians, and we're learning once again who God calls us. And today, what we are going to talk about is that God has, has guaranteed an inheritance for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have guaranteed an inheritance. You have guaranteed our future. And Lord, as we come this morning and we, we learn and discover what that guarantee means and, and God, what the responsibility of that guarantee carries. Lord, we, we come and we, we thank you for the blessing that you have given. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In Ephesians 1, 11 through 12, it says, in him also we have received an inheritance. And if we look at the amplified uh, version, it says a destiny. We were claimed by God as his own, having been predestined or chosen appointed beforehand according to the purpose of him who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his will. So that we who were first to hope in Christ, who, who first put our confidence in him as our Lord and Savior would exist to the praise of his glory. In him also we have received an inheritance. I want to tell you a story. There was a, a young girl named Jody. She was maybe five years old. And she, just like any normal kid, lived at home. Her, her parents had, had split up. She was living with her mom. Her mom was addicted to drugs, had substance abuse problems. She was abusive. It was a, a hard, hard life for Jody. As she grew up, she began to follow in the, the example that her mom had put before her. She started with drugs at an early age. She got involved with people she shouldn't have gotten involved in until maybe around 17, 18, she was on the street. 
peddling her body in order to be able to, to fulfill the drug habit that she felt was the only thing that she could, could control to keep going. She got to a point where she really didn't know what was happening to her on a day-to-day basis. She was being used regularly. She was needing to not only use the drugs to remove the pain of her past, but now just the pain of her everyday existence. Regularly, she would just fall asleep on the the side of the the road. She didn't have a, a home to go to. One day as she's sleeping really with no clothes on whatsoever, just covered by the cardboard box that she's using to kind of shelter herself from the wind, a pastor drives by. And the, the pastor looks at Jody on the side of the road and afraid of, of what all of the, the stigma might be that the pastor drives on. I can't, I can't get involved with something like that. A few minutes later, a, a church-going woman named Shelly, she, she drives by with her, her van full of kids, taking her kids to soccer practice, and, and she sees Jody on the side of the road, and, and she chooses to just continue driving as well because there's just too many other things going on right now. And then along comes Jake. Jake's a, an ex-gang member who, who knows Jody very well. Walks by Jody on a day-to-day basis, has seen her, has seen the hardship that she's going through, has seen the pain that she is experiencing. He used to go through those same things. He used to have the same habits. He used to, to struggle with the same struggles, but there was a, a man who came and saved him who brought him out of his situation, out of his hardship, and showed him that there is a better life. There is hope that doesn't involve a needle. There is hope that doesn't involve someone else communicating value to you. And so Jake, he sees Jody on the side of the road, and he he runs to her. And he he picks her up, and he, he says, Oh, Jody... I have wonderful news for you. But before we talk about that wonderful news, let's get you taken care of. And he he takes Jody and he takes her to to a a rehabilitation center where Jody gets clothes, first of all. Jody gets maybe the first meal that she, she has seen in however long. Jody has people that are finally caring for her. There's a woman there that is taking the time to brush her hair. It hasn't been brushed in forever. Jody is, is helped through the, the process of removing the dependence that she has on these different substances, on the drugs, on the alcohol, until she, she is clean physically. 
Jody starts questioning how it is that, that she has been blessed in this way. How, how, how is it that, that she has been called worthy enough to receive this care? This seems like much more care than she could ever get on her own. And she starts asking the, the people that are caring for her, how is it that I'm able to be here? It seems like this is a, a very high-end facility and this is the best facility in the country. They say to her, well, how is it that I can be here? Well, Jake paid for you to be here. He said, you can stay as long as you need to. And Jody stayed until she was, was well, until she was ready to go out and, and to face the world. She was prepared. I'm sure the, the story of Jody and, and Jake and all of the people involved here, it's, it's not real, I just made it up, but this is the parable of a good Samaritan. It's, it's one of those passages that we can probably all recite from memory, that we, can, we, we all know in any sc uh, Sunday school attending child can talk about the good Samaritan, but it's so easy. We, we don't know who Samaritans are. <laughs> we don't necessarily appreciate what it means to be the, the priest that is walking by on the side of the road. And sure, it's, it's one thing to talk about all of the cultural impacts that existed for them at that time, but there's a different set of cultural impacts that exist for us today. A man traveling along the side of the road being ambushed, left for dead, and two religious guys that are too busy or otherwise too preoccupied with their own plans, their own calendar, their own schedule to help. And then a foreigner comes, the, the good Samaritan comes and helps, and he puts him in a place to stay while he recovers. Because we know that story so well, sometimes it feels like we understand everything there is to understand about it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? That's, that's the story. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're supposed to go out and treat other people the way that, that we want to be treated, or at least, gosh, maybe look and make sure that there aren't people that have been mugged and left for dead. Let's just start with that bar. But the way that the story starts is a little bit more disconcerting than that. The story starts with a religious lawyer, maybe a, a Jewish seminary professor, if you will, who comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I promise there's a connection between <laughs> who God says we are and what we're talking about this morning. The professor says, what must I do to inherit Eternal life. What is an inheritance? An inheritance is something that you already have coming because of who you are. The only way that someone doesn't get an inheritance 
as if they are disinherited or removed from the family. So the lawyer is really asking, what can I do in order not to get kicked out of this family? The family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Just how far can I go? Is it possible that maybe this is the way that sometimes we approach Christianity as well? Is it possible that sometimes this is how I approach my relationship with God? Just how close to this line can I get? Just how far can I go satisfying my own wants, my own desires, putting my needs first above anything else? How far can I go? before I get kicked out of the family of God. If we look at the book of Galatians, we know why we have an inheritance, not because of anything that we did, but because of Jesus' death and his resurrection. We know that we are not slaves, but children. And children who are heirs to a promise. Heirs through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are heirs through God. We are looking forward to an inheritance, but it's an inheritance that Jesus gave us in spite of who we are, in spite of what we've done. An inheritance of everlasting life with God. And so along with the, the lawyer, we're kind of tempted to have a conversation. Well, well, that seems like a pretty good deal. How do I make sure I don't lose that pretty good deal? Do I have to keep my name on, on the roster at church? Do I have to make sure that I've showed up at least three Sundays in a month? Can I miss more if I give more in the offering? Is it about volunteer hours? Maybe, maybe if I come to that work day that the church is talking about and I do most of the work myself, then that will guarantee me a spot. Maybe I need to memorize a specific set of Bible verses. Typically, we prefer at least two to three chapters. How do I make sure that I'm, I'm doing enough to stay in the family of God? And you see, it's a very short step to those types of questions. And those are questions, you know, we kind of chuckle, but a lot of people have those questions. A lot of people think that way. And it's a very short step from that to what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus has a response to the, to the lawyer. It's a, a test. And he says, what does the law say? And this, this was an easy question for the lawyer. He could have, could have answered this in his sleep. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. That comes from Deuteronomy 6. And, and this was like, I mean, this was the Lord's prayer to the Jewish people. This is something that they would have said every single day. 
But the lawyer goes on and he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that comes from Leviticus 19. See, what we, what we see here is, is the lawyer was showing off. He was showing off a little bit because for those of you that don't know, Leviticus and Deuteronomy are not next to each other. They're two absolutely separate pieces of scripture. Uh, Diana, you're, you're kind of shaking your head. Everybody kind of gets a little bit of, of um, I don't know, what, what would you say? Uh, their endurance is tested when you're... Uh, when your daily devotions get into the book of Leviticus. <laughs> and you, you, you start learning a lot about bodily discharge, and you start learning about, a lot about the different sacrifices that you're supposed to make when you have a bodily discharge, and, and all of these different things. It's like, man, this is getting a little too personal to be reading over my Cheerios. Like, I need a little more than this. But there, there's important, life-changing words in that scripture as well. And so the, the lawyer is, is showing off. He's saying, hey, I know all of these areas of scripture. Not only do I know what it says in Deuteronomy 6 that I'm to love the Lord my God, but I also know what it says in Leviticus 19 that I am to love my neighbor. And to the, the lawyer's disappointment, to the professor's disappointment, Jesus didn't seem that impressed. All he said is, you are correct. Huh, okay, well, a passing grade. And so Jesus and the, the professor prepare to go their, their separate ways. Jesus turns his back and starts to walk away. And then the lawyer, just feeling like he needed to get a little bit more clarity a little less ambiguity, asks his follow-up question. And who is my neighbor? And you could just see Jesus. He probably didn't do that, but I would have. <laughs> what do you mean, who's your neighbor, you idiot? Did you not, don't you understand don't, why, why would we limit who your name? Come on, man. See, that's the gospel according to Matt Marish. Come on, man isn't typically in there, but. And Jesus turns around, he says, okay, it's time for us to take this down from the horizontal conversation that I'm having with a, a learned professor of scripture, and now we're going to take this down to, I need to talk to the fisherman who's out in the, the waters, who's never really seen the scripture at all. It's time for us to start using parables to explain what on earth it is we're talking about. Maybe then this guy will get it. He's not talking to an academic equal. He uses the, the common way of communicating. And Jesus shares the parable that I just shared this morning. Who was the neighbor? Who was the, the neighbor in this particular scenario? The Samaritan was the neighbor. Jake, the ex-gang member, was the neighbor. 
And throughout the parable, Jesus is very subtly asking a very important question. What does it mean to be an inheritor of eternal life? What does it mean? What, how should it impact? How should it change your life if you are inheriting eternal life? Why does God promise what he promises to the Hebrew people? And a, a lawyer would know, a person who studied the scriptures, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, they would, they would know. The Hebrew people were supposed to be the new Adam of humanity. They were supposed to be the second chance to the world. They were supposed to be the caretakers of the nations around them. Just, just like the first Adam was the caretaker of creation, the caretaker of the Garden of Eden, the people of Israel, the Hebrew people were supposed to be the caretakers of the world. That was the calling that God had put on them as a people. That's why they had been chosen. But they failed Their priests and their Levites had walked away from hurting people on the side of the road. See, this is kind of starting to make sense now. All of a sudden, the lawyer's like, oh, that's what we're talking about. They were concerned about their inheritance, but they weren't concerned about the identity that gave them that inheritance. They weren't concerned about the fact that they had been called to be the new Adam. And in focusing only on their inheritance, they were ready to lose it. So Jesus takes the identity of the Hebrew people and he gives it to this Samaritan. And to the Hebrew people, that's, that's a pretty bad thing. To the Hebrew people, that, that's about as low as you can go. And when Jesus asked, which of these three was a neighbor to the man who had fallen into the hands of the robbers? There's another question that Jesus is asking. Which of these three was really the inheritor of eternal life? Which of these three had an identity that went along with the inheritance? It wasn't the priest. It wasn't the Levite. It wasn't the, the person clinging to their inheritance. It was the person clinging to the identity, clinging to who they were called to be. that identity that was intended for the Hebrew people, that identity of the new Adam was taken away and it was given to Jesus Christ. He gave it to the only one who could handle it. If we, as the United States of America, was chosen by God and said, you are going to be for me the new Adam, we would not last more than a week. Because we are human and sin exists in humanity. But God takes that identity of the new Adam and he gives it to the one who can handle it. 
He gives it to Jesus Christ, his son. And Jesus took the anointing that should have belonged to the Hebrew people and he took that anointing to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he died for the world and said, not only is the, are the people of Israel saved, not only are the Samaritans saved, not only are, are the, the peoples of this time saved, but this is a salvation for all peoples in all times. Jesus Christ came and he made a way for sinners who were left, beaten, dying, hurting on the side of the road to be picked up, taken, and made whole. Jesus Christ was the good Samaritan when no one else could be. When he arose, he anointed his church, men and women and children, and he gave them their identity. Who am I? I am an inheritor of eternal life, not because of what I've done, but because of the identity that I can claim through Jesus Christ. When people lose their identity, they lose their inheritance. I have given up my identity of who I once was. I have said that I am giving up any inheritance that, that may have existed in my previous life and instead looking to Christ Jesus, knowing that my inheritance with him is everlasting. That is the, the hope that we have as followers of Christ. So this week, as we move forward, as we move through life, as we interact with those around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, some of us are going back to school, not me, I shouldn't have said us, uh, those people that are going back to school, have an opportunity and a choice. Will you cling to the identity that Jesus Christ speaks over you? Will you cling to that identity? Will you hold fast? I love that term. Will you hold fast the way that Jesus Christ holds fast? the identity that Jesus Christ says, you are loved, you are chosen, you are mine from here on to eternity, that, that you have a place with him. And in having and, and holding and living out that identity and that inheritance and, and that definition of who you are, that can't help but impact how you go throughout your life. That can't help but shine through in a way that other people look at you and say, what is different about that person? What is different about them that, that makes them act the way they do? Even in the midst of, of this terrible situation that I'm watching them go through, they still have hope. In the midst of the, the hardship and, and the pain and maybe the death or the loss that they're going through, even in the midst of all of that, they still have hope. The blood of the Lamb is our testimony. 
the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is our testimony. The blood of the lamb gives us an identity and an inheritance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you proclaim over and over again who we are. God, you have given us an inheritance. Lord, help us not to approach that inheritance as as just how far can I go before I lose it, but help me to approach that inheritance as recognizing that with it comes an identity. With that identity, I have a responsibility and a privilege of living a life that reflects it. Living a life that, that impacts those around me, that, that shows that, that I am chosen by you. God, we thank you that you have rescued us. Every single one of us during our time of being beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road, God, you have rescued us. We thank you for that, that you have come and you have been our good Samaritan. You have have made a way for us to, to continue. Bless the rest of this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 